Tackling your business's finance to-dos can be daunting enough without being slowed down by QuickBooks. More like slow books. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one financial system, no matter how big your business grows. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow. All in one place. Special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite right now. That's NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This is the Marketing to Millionaires podcast, episode number 36, with expert author Joseph Michelli of The New Gold Standard, Five Leadership Principles for Creating a Legendary Customer Experience, courtesy of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company. Welcome to the Marketing to Millionaires podcast. I am your host, Kelly O'Neill. In this ever-changing economy, marketing premium services to premium clients who can afford your services is a key strategy in recession-proofing your business and thriving through uncertain times. Each week, join me to learn the best practices in marketing to this discerning audience, as well as enjoying insightful and candid interviews with millionaires, as well as the most brilliant business minds who have mastered the art of marketing to affluent clientele. Let's get started on this week's episode. Hey, everyone. I want to welcome you back to the Marketing Millionaires podcast. I am your host, Kelly O'Neill, and I am so thrilled to be here today with truly one of my favorite authors in the world. I have read a majority of his books and I'm picking up the rest after this interview. Joseph Michelli is an internationally sought after speaker, author, and organizational consultant who helps transfer his knowledge of exceptional business practices in a way that develops really joyful and productive workplaces with a focus on customer experience. He is the author of a bazillion different books, right? Um, and he, including New York Times number one bestsellers, including the Zappos Experience, Five Principles to Inspire, Engage, and Wow, uh, Prescriptions for Excellence, Leadership Lessons from Creating a World-Class Customer Experience from the UCLA Health System, uh, the Starbucks Experience. I mean, I can keep I can keep going. He's actually got a brand new book coming out called uh, Stronger Through Adversity. And today, he and I are going to unpack the importance of creating world-class customer service and a world-class customer experience and what it means to you in your business during this marketplace, especially through all the changes that we have going on right now. He actually revealed to me in this episode a couple things and, and a couple really key questions that he utilizes to help his corporate clients, these very big corporate clients design their customer experience. And he actually revealed what the customer experience they're looking to create at the Ritz Carlton. And I'll tell you, it's not what you would think. So get ready for an exceptional interview with Joseph Michelli. Here we go. All right, everyone, welcome to the Marketing Millionaires Podcast, and I am thrilled today to have one of my favorite business authors on the planet, Joseph Michelli, joining me to talk about really creating the gold standard of customer service and client loyalty with your affluent clientele. Welcome, Joseph. Great to be here, Kelly. Thank you. 
Thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to have you. So I was telling you a little bit before we jumped on on air that actually the New Gold Standard, which is one of your best-selling books, uh, where you teach people specifically how to adopt the principles of the Ritz-Carlton level of customer care and customer service, is actually one of the training manuals for my for my team in handling our affluent clientele. So really quickly, what, how did you get started in, in being so passionate about creating a customer experience? Well, first I want to thank you on behalf of my kids for helping getting them through college. With the oh, birth, my the pleasure. Uh, <laughs> as it relates to my journey, I started with, um, I started with the Pike Place Fish Market in Seattle, Washington, where they throw fish. I was in graduate school at the time working on my PhD out of the University of Southern California. And what I came to learn from helping this floundering, excuse the pun, fish market in Seattle uh, make it from bankruptcy to success was that you had to treat people in a way that engaged them emotionally. It mm-hmm. wasn't enough to just provide practical service. It had to be emotional and real and memorable. And so from those days of working with Johnny and his fish market uh, to the, uh, the Ritz-Carlton and Mercedes-Benz, any number of other clients and or book uh, companies I've targeted, that emotional truth has always been resonant. I love it. I love it. And you now, I mean, you've written so many amazing books. All right. Just tell me, just tell me the behind nine. I just finished nine. So I'll be going to 10 right now, but yeah, sooner or later I'll get one right, but I'm still working. I, I, you've gotten a lot, right? Yeah. What, what was your favorite one? You know, know it's, it's like, uh, which of my favorite children do I, yeah. I, you know, I really do enjoy the Ritz Carlton book because I think it is about how great service can be. I think anything aspirational like that is fabulous. I love the Mercedes book because we, I was very much a part of a four-year transformation journey from average to exceptional. So that was quite fun to be in the journey and write that book. That was, you know, I actually talk about the story of when I bought my Mercedes and the entire experience that they designed and actually watching them, not only from a customer perspective, but from a marketing perspective, I literally watched every single thing that they did to create that exceptional experience, not only for their buyer, but how they also leveraged it to create more buyers within the dealership. I hate to be your service provider, Kelly. You're way too sophisticated a a person. You can analyze and dissect it all, but I'm glad that they did that well on your behalf of Mercedes. You know, they were 22nd in the JD Power when I started to work with them. And so a brand that markets itself as best or nothing to be 22nd in the customer experience meant they were nothing. And uh, it's hard to tell a bunch of German engineers that they're nothing when they uh, have quite a bit of pride around the craftsmanship of their vehicle. So, so one of the things that, that people say, you know, well, our customer service really sets us apart. And I'm a big believer that providing, providing really good customer service is just a part of owning a business. Providing exceptional customer service and a customer experience is something different. Can you talk a little bit about what the, what's the difference between customer service and really developing a customer experience? Yeah, this customer service is get it right, make it right. It's transactional. It's repeatable. Uh, you know, Star, uh, McDonald's has customer service uh, in the sense that it's the same uh, speed of service, mm-hmm. for example, to get your French fry, whether you're in Beijing or Boston. If it mm-hmm. goes wrong, they have a pretty pedantic service recovery strategy, but it works for them. Uh, and so you know, that service is get it right, make it right. It's a value proposition and it elevates from just a product offering alone. But if you're talking service experience, you're talking about all the touch points, the, 
the, the totality of the perception of the end user across people, process, technology. And it's really a, a thoughtful design of the journey of your customer through your brand and making sure that the moments that matter most are executed flawlessly and in a way that embraces and envelops them. And I really understand, especially when you're marketing to affluent clientele, like it's, it is not a nice to have, it is a requirement if you want to build loyal customers. What's the benefit for, for people out there saying, you know, you know, I'm running a growing business, you know, I'm, I get it. Like I, I probably need to do more with my customer experience. I probably need to design this a little bit. Like what, what is the benefit of doing it and what's the cost to not doing it? Yeah, I think it's often like, what's the benefit of having a good sense of humor, right? I mean, it's hard to quantify, but we know that it tends to draw people to you. Uh, so, you know, when it comes to the benefits, we, we have empirical data on what happens if you deliver extraordinary customer experiences. And, and really from a monetary perspective, you outperform your industry, normally a factor of four to five fold in growth. And if you look at that, you take a laggard in customer experience versus a leading edge brand. They're normally meeting customer expectations, if not exceeding them. They're developing these emotional connections where they've customized the service delivery to the wants, needs, and desires of their customers, both stated and unstated. And then ultimately they're doing just a little bit more to create that sense of overvaluing their customer. And that overvaluing has to be kind of narrow. You can't substantially overvalue the customer or they think that you don't know how to run your business. But if you slightly overvalue them, they, they feel special, important and personalized care is delivered unto them. And, and so when, when customers nowadays, so you know, obviously as we're recording this, we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, businesses are losing, they're, they're going out of business. Um, especially, you know, a lot of times in, the, in these luxury markets um, where people's buying behaviors have changed. What's the cost of not having this now? Well, and I think the, the cost of not customizing your delivery to what customers want is customer churn. It's a real simple one. At the Ritz-Carlton, for example, you know, there was a cost going on back in 2008 when we were working originally on that book. And, and that was that the experience was very formal and slow. Um, and so consumers were asking for a little less formality, still elevated sensory experience, but not as formal. And certainly they wanted it to be delivered at the speed of their life, not in, you know, luxury didn't mean true, right? It could mean right. something, uh, something that was relevant to them. So the cost was they were losing to a, their younger customers through the four seasons. And it really meant that they had to modify to meet the customer where they were. And if you don't, the customer will find another option. In, in developing this, you know, part of what we do in our Marketing Millionaires program is we take them through the entire customer journey from setting up to make sure their messaging is, is correct to helping them really develop products and service offerings and all of those sorts of things, all the way through th that, that customer experience what are the core must-have components for professional service companies that are developing their customer experience in a way that's going to create not only loyal raving fans, but also increase their profitability? This is going to sound like a duh answer, but you need to know what you want that experience to feel like, look like, and, and tangibly be. So you need to know the look, feel, and, and the emotional throughput of the experience. And once you know that, then you can build it. You can design it. You can look at your core customer segments and you can test and learn across different touch points to see if this is more resonant 
or that is more resonant. But unless you know what your, and I call it a way we serve statement, but you know, this is the way we serve. We want every customer every time to feel this, no excuses, particularly at the high moments of truth, the arrival moments, the transition moments, those moments that, that have a pain point and we need to resolve it before the ending. So we have a peak end experience that is powerful emotionally. So, but, but you know, I know uh, what I want customers to feel every time at a Starbucks, a, a brand that I've worked with. I know what, what I want customers to feel every time at a Mercedes uh, dealership. And that's different than what um, Ritz Carlton wants their customers to feel every time. And I don't think a lot of people take that into consideration. I think that they take into consideration, you know, the to-do items and it's kind of like checking things off. Like, did the client get this so that they don't bombard us? Did they get this so that we can provide the service? But that's a great question. What do you want your customers to feel? And, you know. And Kelly, I could give you, let's say my product is a a pen and I, I hand you this really quality pen. I mean, I have provided you a luxury product, if you will, but I could throw that pen at you. I can deliver it for you on a silver platter and or a pillow. Uh, I have a choice in what is likely. I mean, if I throw it at you, you're probably going to feel the value proposition has been diluted or I've let the value down by the experience. So it's really important, I think, to understand what is the emotional state, because Literally, people are coming at you and they have such different perspectives on things. And your job is almost like in a manufacturing plant to take the raw material that comes in the door and have it leave in a form that is consistent with quality. So, you know, if it's a manufacturing plant, all the material comes in a pretty similar raw material and you apply your processes and then you have an outcome that's fairly consistent. When it comes to people, they're coming at at you with such variability that you can't impose a standard process. You can have some general guidelines, but people have to improvise in that process to try to approximate an outcome. And what it might take to give that emotional outcome for Kelly would be different than what it takes to get that emotional outcome for Joseph. But my team need to know what the outcome is so they can work with the process and modify it accordingly to to try to deliver that uh, for both of us. I love that. So, so what are a couple, if you just have like a couple that you can think of, what are a couple of the things that you've seen, you know, especially in service-based businesses or that you've helped design where you're like, wow, that, that really, that really lit the customers on fire. That really set the client experience apart. So the outcome at a Ritz-Carlton is to create the home of a loving parent. So it's a place where every employee is intending to create such nurturance that it's anticipating in the way a loving parent can be. Now you might say, I didn't have a loving parent, so I don't know how I would do that, but we all have a, an idea of what a loving parent might do in any given situation. So at the Ritz-Carlton uh, in, in uh, Dubai, they have a fairly squatty property compared to some of the amazing buildings in Dubai, uh, but they have the number one rated spa in Dubai, um, lacking some of the technology that some of those other major hotels have. The reason that they have that is because in order to create that loving parent's home, they have a 45 minute massage that lasts an hour. Now, from a profitability perspective, they're probably charging equivalent to an hour and 20 minutes worth of massage. Okay, so the price point is high, but they're telling you you're going to get 45 minutes. They build into that the fact that you're going to get an hour, whether you know it or not. You think you're getting 45, you're going to get guaranteed an hour because the therapist is designed to do that. There's buffer time on the other side for the therapist so they don't feel rushed. You feel luxuriated. 
And thus you say, wow, that I got overvalued and mama took care of me. And that is the combination of factors of the way you design the experience and the outcome you're trying to achieve while still maintaining a luxury price point. Oh my God. I love that. Okay. Well, that one threw me for a loop. Like I never would have thought that that was the experience. What is Mercedes experience that they're trying to create? Well, for Mercedes, it is to drive the light. So I happened to write a book titled Driven to the Light of All Things. And so we focused on a training model that said, listen for the understanding. E is for, it's a lead model, L-E-A-D. So listen is un, is the key word for understanding. E is for empathy. A is for add value. And D is delight. And the concept here is that make sure you have active listening skills on board, develop your, your uh, social intelligence around empathy, always look for a chance to say yes, and this is what I can do for you. The, the yes and as opposed to the no, but um, mm -hmm. if, if I can't do that for you, I don't mention that, I just tell you what I can do. Uh, and then the delight, just that one little moment of extra gratitude, one little moment of call to sequel, whatever it might be. And we're encouraging every single employee to do that every single time, no excuses. I love it, I love it. Uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit, you've got a brand new book coming out called Stronger Than Adversity. Tell me a little bit about what this book is about. I was working with Godiva, so another premium kind of brand. Uh, I've, I've been a consultant for them in the past and I was about to write a book about Godiva chocolate. Um, and then the pandemic hit, didn't get to go to the, the plant, was told the book was going to be on hold. So I pivoted really quickly. I was on a lot of task forces for my clients. And while sitting on those COVID-19 task forces, I watched leaders really struggling to get their arms around how do we manage a submicroscopic organism, one one thousandth the width of a human hair, and still mm -hmm. keep our businesses afloat. And as I watched them and talked to them and asked them, what are you learning about leadership? What are you affirming? Uh, I was capturing stories. They shared uh, my inquiries with their colleagues. And before you know it, 140 leaders from Brian Cornell, CEO of Target, or Michelle Gass, CEO of Kohl's, or uh, Hans Vestberg, CEO of Verizon, or any number of other CEOs and C-suite leaders all participated in the book. And we ended up with Stronger Through Adversity. And it'll be, you know, its, it's goal is to help current leaders and future leaders manage in times of crisis, but also beyond those crises to position their brands for lasting success. I love it. What were some of the surprises that you learned from those interviews? Why well, is it my favorite one? Uh, and it, it has to do with the fact that we can learn a lot from wild horse herds. Okay. From, I'm from wanna, wild horse herds? A, a little more detail might be in order, right? So, yes, yes, a, uh, so bit. a little smidge more is that in a wild horse herd, there's an alpha mare. She leads the pack. I think that's appropriate. Uh, mm -hmm. And then there's a, an alpha sire and he's in the back of the pack. And there are horses in the herd that actually shape herd behavior as leaders. And what I really heard a lot of leaders talking about was the importance of moving forward, backward, middle, depending upon what the demands of leadership required. Sometimes you got to be up front, set the vision, you know, tell people we're going to take Take this hill. We're going to take our best strategic path toward it. Other times you have to drop back into the herd and say, look, I'm no better than you. I'm not going to ask anything of you that I would not ask of myself as a leader. We are in this together. And then sometimes you have to just shut up, get to the back of the room, let your people ideate and innovate and support them and nudge them along their journey while celebrating uh, the pace that they're setting. How did you correlate the two? How did you how did you correlate what you were learning from these interviewers and connect that to the horse herd? Well, you know, it's one of those weird synaptic things about my brain. I have no uh, <laughs> I have no explanation for where Genius these random thoughts come from. 
I love it. Genius at work. So in interviewing these leaders, I have a lot of people that market to, to corporations and I'm always telling them, you know, you, you need to understand the pain point. You gotta, you gotta understand what exactly, like, what is the problem we're solving right now for your ideal client? So what was most concerning to the leaders that you interviewed? Yeah, I think it's the first time in history that most of the people I talk to realize that employment could kill the, kill their people. Uh, that in, that pro providing products or services could kill their customers. Uh, they never felt like there was that much danger inherent in the transaction. Uh, on top of that, they felt like they were imposters. They didn't have an answer to solve uh, this crisis. Right. Uh, they had had answers for almost everything else. They had had a plan. Mike Tyson once said that, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I think a lot of these people just were planless and clueless. And they were looking for people who could support them, who could give them some insights into consumer behavior, some solutions that would just anchor them for a second. Um, and not false hope, but uh, kind of an honest lullaby that yeah. you know, this is going to be hard, but we can get you there. I love, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it is such a time, you know, I, I keep explaining to people, if there's people out there telling you that we have all the answers, we don't like no one in our generations, or even in, we've not lived through a pandemic. We've lived through a recession, but we've not lived through a pandemic. And it is a completely, completely different game. And, you know, I do think, like you said, you can, one of my, you can become stronger through adversity. One of my favorite quotes is from um, Brene Brown. And she said, ruin is a gift. Ruin is the road to transformation. And I really believe that in the shakeout and fallout of everything that's been going on, that we're going to reinvent new ways of doing business and new ways of showing up. And I don't believe personally, and I'd love your thoughts on this. I don't believe that we are ever going to be back to business as normal again. I think there's a new normal. What do you think about that? I think there's an opportunity to have a better than normal. You know? Right. Because I think a lot of times when people do say new normal, they're kind of pining for the old normal. It's like, oh, right. well, we're going to have a new normal, but that's what's for me. It's like, we've got a chance. And in my space, the customer experience space, we've got a chance to meet customers where they are with technology for convenience and still have people around to nurture and love on them. I think luxury brands are gonna to have to be super smart about reducing all the efforts through technology, technology aided and human powered with people in place, ready to, to help people in ways technology never could. So you're gonna have all these self-help brands that are pretty low scale. And then you're gonna have these elevated brands that are gonna have all that technology of the self-help brands plus the option to have humans at all the key touch points. Yeah, I think we have, I think we have tremendous opportunity to innovate and to, I agree with you completely. I'm actually working with women leaders right now about helping them rewrite the rules of entrepreneurship and kind of redesigning better ways of working in their fields and in their industries. And, you know, that weren't really possible before, or weren't going to be accepted before. Um, I am always curious about the mistakes that the leaders make, right? So what 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 mistakes were they willing to admit that they made during the pandemic? Because everyone oh, made mistakes. They made they admitted to so much. Brene Brown, who you referenced earlier, would be so yeah. happy to see the authenticity and vulnerability and willingness to admit mistakes. You know, I think she's always championing the notion that nobody really wants to be led by a perfect leader because we know they're not. And so right. if you act like you are, all I'm going to do is try to figure out how you really aren't. 
Uh, right. I'm going to spend a lot of time focused on the pretentiousness of your leadership. Right. But, you know, here's an example. And Jeff Daly is the CEO of Farmers Insurance, the bump, 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 bump people. Mm-hmm. Here. And mm-hmm. uh, he he told me really candidly that his his people came to him fairly early in the pandemic. So there's going to be less driving going on, less accidents. We can lower premiums uh, for our auto uh, insurance. And he said to his team, wow, that's kind of a, a good idea, but I'm worried about the finances for our business over the long term. I just really want to stockpile up some money right now. The next week, USAA came out with a lowered premium option. And immediately thereafter, Farmers was a fast follower. But he very overtly said, I admitted to my team, I admit to you, I should have listened to those folks who told me we could do that early on. And what's interesting is that they then did pulse surveying, they've looked at discretionary effort for the team thereafter, and they have just increased their employee engagement substantially after he admits that he didn't listen when he should have, uh, and that they could have been out front of something that they were a fast follower on. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I think that's it, right? Like there is so much, you know, there's certain people that are, that are, especially in the service industry, there's people that are freezing, right? I mean, in, in this time of uncertainty, fight, flight, freeze. And that's the way they're going. Your our more affluent buyers and our more affluent centric customers are like innovate and opportunity. You know, where is there a way to make such a huge difference right now in the marketplace? Amen. And now is now is the time to invest, invest in elevated experiences. I had Joe Pine uh, interviewed for the book and Joe is the founder of the experience economy, wrote that book and and really emphasized that the brands that are going to come out of this well are the ones who realize they need to invest now while a lot of other people are in retreat. That is the quote of the interview. And so I am going to, I'm going to leave that piece right there. Any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners out there? uh, Quite simply, Kelly, that what you do is exactly what most of the leaders told me they needed. They needed people they could reach out to, who could help them, who could guide them, who could consult with them. They needed to get off their own islands and reach out to other human beings who were thoughtful, who could provoke them to growth. Blessings to you for what you do. I'm so honored to have been a part of it for today. Ah, likewise, I am honored to interview you. You guys, you need to check out his litany of books. They're amazing. Again, as I said earlier in the interview, this is something that is required reading for my team to learn how to provide that exceptional customer experience to our clientele. Where can they find out more about you? Get your books. Where can they find you? And I'll include this in the show notes. Yeah, I think Stronger Through Adversity is the best starting place just to get toward this book. So it's strongerthroughadversity.com. But you can also find me at my uh, name, Joseph Michelli. And, and because it's such an odd name, you can find me on Twitter with that handle and on LinkedIn with that name as well. So it's just Joseph, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-I.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for today. Thanks for your insight. And everyone, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Marketing to Millionaires podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing to Millionaires podcast. If you did, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, share this episode, and leave a raving review. Also, apply to join us in the complimentary Marketing to Millionaires Success Circle on Facebook. It's my private community where I hold weekly trainings, share resources, and collaborate with other high-performance entrepreneurs. I'll see you there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.